to the Smart Connector podcast, which looks at the power of connection in business and life. Featuring solo episodes as well as a range of exciting interviews with entrepreneurs across multiple sectors, we offer tips and advice to build your impact, wealth and success, attract others for all the right reasons, and become a Smart Connector, the architect of your amazing business and life. Welcome to the Smart Connector podcast. I'm here with one of my clients, Keith Wright. Welcome, Keith. It's so good to have you here. Hello. Thank you, Jane. Thank you for inviting me on. It's great to be here. So, Keith, I'm just going to introduce you. So with 30 years in the building industry and 15 years in commercial leadership roles, Keith helps business owners, leaders, entrepreneurs and investors within the building industry of the UK to develop personalized purchasing and category management solutions. We'll get into that without adding undue complexity or cost so that they can fuel their profitability and growth, even if they have limited time, resources or expertise. And he also recently started his first non-exec role. So congratulations on that as well, Keith. And he's director of a charity as well called Homestart, which supports families in his local community. So, yes, so good to have you here, Keith. So, look, I mean, it's a time at the moment of rampant inflation and we've got all these supply chain issues. Everybody knows about that. It's all in the news. And I have a lot of developers in my group and property investors and so on. Now, it's true that the cost of building materials has gone through the roof. So I think that it, that, that would be a really good place to start, Keith. What is going mm. on? I think that's what people <laughs> want to know. If I had a pound for every time somebody asked me that question. Do you know what? It is It is unprecedented, Jane. I mean, I, I've been, as you said in the intro, in, in this industry for 30 years. And I have to say, the last two years, we've had an inflation, both in terms of the level of inflation, but also the frequency of the number of increases across manufacturers like I've never seen it before. You know, you, 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 my budgeting processes in my corporate jobs were quite simple pre-COVID because you could kind of predict what the cyclical nature of the industry was going to do. You know, and that was generally low single digit inflation every year. And I think, you know, in reality, there's a number of things. I mean, it's probably started with Brexit, you know, and that and that really started causing, you know, some issues around freight and international transport. And then, of course, we had, you know, COVID and that caused you know, massive lumps and spikes in demand. And when you're moving product around, you know, in the UK, in certain cases, is in a bit of a, a global street fight with you know the US or China or you know other markets where you know if somebody's prepared to pay more for something, then you're in the queue. You you have a choice whether you pay for materials or not to keep your own local economy going. So you know there's there's been so many things, and then of course you know the recent and terrible ongoing conflict in the Ukraine has has caused more issues. You know who knew that certain raw materials were so you know so prolific out of out of parts of the ukraine so you know i, I think there's you know you, you can i can go on and on about the number of challenges that have caused the level of inflation but yeah i, I see this starting to slow down a bit you know I, I think there's only so far that it can go i think there's there's quite a bit of stock around in the supply chain with certain manufacturers so you know there could be a bit of a softening on pricing sort of going into the back end of this year and next year so yeah, there may well be some better deals coming our way. 
Well, that's that's great. I mean, that's very valuable information. And you were saying earlier when we were chatting before the podcast that you were speaking to an analyst today who was asking you exactly those questions. So mm. you're getting it straight from the horse's mouth. So the outlook is rosy. Is that right? Well, it's it, it's it's hopefully it's improving. Yes. Yeah, so okay. I think improving. from an inflation perspective. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's great. So that was really interesting. I'd just like to pick up on some of the things that you talked about because I, I think most people don't really understand what goes on behind the scenes. Obviously, they see all this construction going on all around. And this has been happening, particularly in London and the southeast, for couple of decades now really construction is absolutely everywhere so people see it but they don't realize that this is an industry that is you know there are international forces and economic forces mm. at play aren't there uh, mm. and that's the thing that i i got from your comment really so love to hear a little bit more about that yeah i, I think you know interesting a lot a lot of building materials are quite local so, you know, you're not going to move, I don't know, pallets or truckloads of bricks or blocks or you know, aggregates around the UK because it's just, you know, they're relatively low value um, and, the, and the mileage and the distribution doesn't make sense. But, you know, you can't, you, you, there's only so much timber you can get out of the UK, you know, in terms of Scotland or Ireland. So then you're into mainland Europe in, mm -hmm. and, you know, lots of other people are getting, you know, timber from mainland Europe. So, that causes some interesting challenges. And then of course, there's an awful lot of product that's directly imported from Asia. So again, then you're, in, you're into big shipping contracts and you know negotiation for space on some of these large freight vessels. And you know the ports haven't been particularly blessed like, you know, like most of us with the impact again of, of COVID and Brexit. So if it's a bit more difficult to get things through port or if you've got you know staffing issues and challenges, which you know I think that's fair to say that there are you know there's a there's a, a lower level of of people in most types of sectors across across the world i think in, in in reality so you know some of these things really start to hit home when you can't source those products in your home market yeah so when your clients come to you then keith what problem do they have why why would they seek out your consulting services yeah, I, I think probably the two the two biggest themes I tend to get when I talk to clients, the, the first one is really where can they look for opportunities to grow their business? So, you know, the building materials market's massive. You know, I mean, it, it depends on who you talk to anywhere between 70 and 100 billion. It's about six to seven percent of GDP in the UK. So it's it's I think it's the third biggest employer in, in the UK. So it's it's a massive, massive, massive industry. And there's you know tens of thousands of businesses that operate in that sector. So, you know, finding new products to sell, finding new ways to sell them, finding new types of customers to interact with, you know, that that's that's one of the key areas that I can often give some insight to, obviously with my background. And I guess the other one really is is in terms of that whole procurement piece. When I've mentioned sourcing around the world, which is something I've done. In, in my sort of corporate career I've, I've been to many many countries around the world I've seen some of the challenges you have in the supply chain and actually that level of experience is something that often certainly with some of the private businesses that I've got they're not blessed with huge teams so helping them systemize their processes helping them think about most businesses are service-led right but yeah. you'd be amazed at how few businesses actually have really robust service level agreements with their supply chain 
yet they're being held to account by their customers. So yeah. it's seeking out some of those gaps and helping them, I suppose, to a certain degree, professionalise and improve some of the processes so that they can give you know world-class customer service in their market. Yeah, which, of course, world-class customer service, that equates to sustainable profits, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so before we go any further, Keith, I mean, just for the benefit of our viewers and listeners, now I'm sure that most people know what procurement is, buying, right? But category management, that's something that you're also a specialist in. And I think mm. I certainly didn't know what that was before we started working together. So could you just, just clarify what category management actually means? Yeah, it's it's a much more holistic approach to how you source, how you sell, how you own the end-to-end -end supply chain. So, yeah, if you imagine you you want to, I don't know, bring a particular product to market, A, you've got to find someone to, well, you've got to find a customer need for it. So, you know, if you've identified a customer need for a product, you've then got a whole bunch of things that you want to do to actually source the product, you know, who's going to supply it. How are you going to bring the product in? You know, are you going to distribute it to customers? Is it in a warehouse? Is it in a, a store or a retail outlet? How are you going to price it? How are you going to market it? Is it, you know, is it in terms of face-to-face -face customer? Is it online or through some sort of digital platform? So there's a, you know, it's a much more broader way of thinking about that whole end-to-end -end piece when it comes to buying and, and selling something. So not, not just as simple as, what price is this? Can I buy it cheap? And off you go. You know, it's far more end-to-end, -end, yeah, a holistic view. Yeah, so how to get it into the hands, get it from wherever it is into the hands of the buyers because there's no one-size-fits-all. I guess that's what you're saying. Yeah, well, every, every customer is unique. So you know, understanding the customer is, is, is at the heart of you know, no, no one wants to just bring a product because they've brought a product to market. You need to bring a product to service the needs of the customer, not not think about I've got something. Can I find a customer? As, as <laughs> you know, in some cases, might be might be the way. Yeah. So, give me an example of the a product, perhaps a category that you've worked on recently. I think. Probably one of the areas, I mean, I, I looked at, I've, I've always had a bit of a, a fond spot for landscaping. I mean, who, who, it's probably, if, if the building industry could ever be sexy, landscaping's probably it. <laughs> you know, it's it's probably the most aesthetic product that there is, but outside of kitchens and bathrooms, I guess. So, yeah, landscaping's an interesting one because you start thinking about, again, who's who's the decision maker? You know, is it is it the household? Is it the tradesperson? Is it the supplier that's driving demand for their product? Yeah, and there's so many ways that you can, you know, get inspiration when it comes to, you know, sourcing or thinking about landscaping. So, again, you know, pe people will approach that in different ways. So, so some of the discussion when I've had with clients is, you know, which type of customer you're after. Are you after the end consumer? Are you after the tradesperson? Is it a landscaper? Is it a general builder that's doing a, you know, a more gene a generic approach to building? And what type of product do you want to look at? Is it patios? Is it driveways? Is it fencing? Is it decking? You know, there's so many seg sub-segments, I guess, of landscaping. So, you know, there's, that's quite an interesting one because, as I said, there's so much choice and variety and, you know, people that are very interested in that as a particular topic. Yeah. And how much do you make use of data and research when, when making your decisions around a particular category? Mm. 
I, I think it's really important. I mean, yeah, you've got to be careful with data because you can, if you look at too much, you can end up sort of not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, you can get a bit snow blind with it. But yeah, I, I think there's some fundamentals. I mean, market sizing, looking at profitability of certain products, you know, what's trending. You can clearly, you know, Google Analytics and spend data and intel from manufacturers, from you know, all sorts of things. So I, I think having a really good sound foundation to make some I'd call it informed decisions. You know, you, you don't want to wing it. You want to have enough good quality data and insights to enable you to make the best possible decision. But don't, you know, don't look for 100. percent I always used to say, even get to, I don't know, 70 percent is probably good enough to make a decision, and then go for it and back yourself. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds really good. So, Keith, let's get on to your personal journey because you've been in the in the building industry for thirty years, haven't you? You really started as a mm. little whippersnapper, didn't you? <laughs> so, tell us about your early days and why you were attracted mm. to the building industry and how you actually got into those leadership roles. Did it just happen because people found you, or did you did you set your stall to? out to do something like mm. that what how did it all come about well i i was a i was a bit of a numbers geek at school so you know i was i i always thought i wanted to work in a bank and then i had a rubbish experience no no bankers you know don't take that personally but it wasn't it wasn't for me when i did my school experience and then i you know did, did accounts economics mathematics and it was all was all set to go to university actually to to newcastle which is where I was actually you know, born and bred and then decided to take a year out from from doing it. Got a job at Wolseley, which was a big, didn't know at the time, a big PLC having done. I did a couple of years while studying, working in a, a local builders merchant. So I thought, oh, said you need building experience. I've had a bit of that. I've, I've filled some bags of sand in the yard and, you know, dealt with a few customers. And, and it was kind of numbers related. And, yeah, that was that was sort of mid 90s. And, and that was a a very exciting time in the industry because there's loads of acquisitions, loads of mergers. And mm -hmm. I was, I suppose, quite lucky that you know, I, I joined a business that was growing at a very, very rapid rate, got involved in some great acquisitions. And I was quite impatient. I've, I'm not necessarily sure I'm any less impatient now, but I was certainly less, more impatient when it came to wanting the next job. And it was always, can I do more? Can I do more? Can I do more? I was always volunteering for stuff you know, in addition to the day job and just that real thirst and passion for, you know, getting my career started. So, you know, I had you know, 13 very, very good years in Wolseley, got involved in some European activity and some pretty big acquisitions you know, as part of the, the commercial team. Yeah, then, then went on to join Travis Perkins, which, you know, still is the market leader kind of 14 odd years ago. That was when I really started to accelerate at a director level. And I was fortunate again to have sort of four or five different directorship roles in in that business. So, yeah, I think it was always that curiosity. Yeah, you know, always loved always loved dealing with people. And you know, in commercial, you deal with people all day long in terms of yeah, your teams, your suppliers, your customers, your branches. But always loved the numbers. Always always loved doing deals and seeing sales growth and profit growth and. Yeah, I guess that sort of stayed with me from my my nerdy school years, Jane, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's very good to be somebody that loves the numbers, isn't it? Because people that love the numbers are very valuable to businesses because businesses mm. need numbers people, don't they, to, as you said, to track profit and track sales. So I think mm. that's one of the reasons why you've done incredibly well. 
So let's talk about about this particular phase of your journey, Keith, because you're, it's relatively early days for you as a consultant, isn't mm. it? Because you only left your corporate career a while ago. So tell mm. us what what actually was the catalyst for you doing that? Yeah, so so it was May May last year. I, I think to be honest, I, I think the I've mentioned COVID a few times, and not not to overplay that, but I think it gave probably a lot of him, certainly me, a, a lot of time to reflect. Um, and as much as I enjoyed my corporate career, you know, the sacrifices you you give to being away from your family, you know, as I mentioned, doing international trips, I'd be away for sort of you know weeks on end and long hours and being tired and stressed and never enough hours in the day. And I, and I think, I think actually being more around the home and thinking, is this actually what I want for the next, you know, 15, 20 years. And I suppose, I suppose being brave to move away from the, the safety of, you know, getting paid every month and doing, doing something myself. But I, I think it's something that I've probably toyed with for a number of years and, you know, the, the opportunity presented itself to go and make that, make that change last year and I think it was one of those where and I'm still learning massively Jane as you, you know obviously we work together you know this but it 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 really is a journey and but it's so much fun I think you know you just have the ability to set your own course in your own direction yeah and, and I, I think I've stayed within the market I know within the network I know and within you know the area that I've done for my whole career so you know I've, I've not gone too far away from what I did just it's my name above the door and I'm hold myself to account and you know that's that's kind of where I'm at in terms of that current journey but it's yeah, you know, it's, it's early days but really really exciting and really really enjoying it yeah and I think that's one of the amazing things about being an independent consultant is that when you do leave corporate and some of my other clients are also in the same position and having having made that leap. And I made that leap myself, actually, you know, quite a few years ago now. But really, you know, you've, you've had all that time to develop that wisdom, that expertise, actually get paid for doing so. And the wonderful thing about becoming independent is that you have all of that behind you. And really, you don't need to reinvent the wheel, do you? Because... Mm it's there already it's all it's all up there it's it, nobody can take that away from you and that's mm. great isn't it because you can immediately and very fast start to monetize which you have done well you can tell i'm a nerd with numbers because I, th I think i told you this before but fifty thousand hours was my estimate of how long i've spent in this industry and in the work i do and you think that's that's a long time it makes me sound very old <laughs> but you can't you can't buy experience can you you know you you have to you have to live and breathe you know it's like if you're going to be a professional in any walk of life you know even elite sports you know, it's practice it's consistency it's you know learning and development every day and every day you get you get a little bit better and a little bit wiser hopefully Fifty thousand hours that's a lot isn't it um so... definitely think i'm due some overtime <laughs> yeah, so uh, Malcolm Gladwell, he wrote a book called Outliers, which is really about how people become experts. And I think he had the 10,000 hour rule. Yeah, I think yeah. 10,000 hours, he said, if, if you actually do something for 10,000 hours, whatever you do, if you learn to play the guitar, 10,000 hours, you're going to be fantastic at it. If play mm. any sport, whatever you focus on, that 10,000 hour is the breaking the barrier. So you're 50,000 hours i'm sure that some of those hours you probably spent drinking tea and 
chatting to your colleagues though right Keith so socializing yes <laughs> yeah socializing so let's reduce that by 15 percent, shall we <laughs> okay yeah great so so tell us about your journey then as an independent consultant was it scary at first who was your first client what did they ask you to do did you have doubts and fears that you would be able to deliver in the beginning or mm. did you just think ah oh, this is easy this is everything that I know and it's mm. just going to be yeah straightforward well, I think not even in the beginning I think every day it's it's a little bit scary when you when you're out on your own you don't you don't have the number of people around you that you do when you're leading teams and you have colleagues around you so yeah I, I think from that perspective did I did I have a I, I guess I had a vision as to what I wanted to create but that molds I think I've still got the same broad sort of three or five year outlook but it's it's definitely changed and developed and become a bit more multi-faceted since I started but it's still scary you know there's still days you think oh my gosh what am I doing is this is this working uh, <laughs> would it be easy to go and do something different but yeah you just can you keep coming back to the positive affirmations and reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I think it was one of the sessions we were on last Friday, actually, Jane, and that the person that made me feel guilty if I didn't share my knowledge and you know, expertise and skills with the world. So, you know, that's yeah, that was, say, that was you know, Gary, our, a lovely our way of you know, it. Yeah. PR and TED Talk guy, because, mm. well, absolutely, because, you know, you do I mean, look, we all suffer from this thing called imposter syndrome. And anybody that says that they don't, they are probably lying because certainly when we do something new, we all doubt ourselves. And it's just our human condition, isn't it? Mm. Um, but I think when we know that that's all it is, then we're like, oh, yeah, that's just those silly voices in my head, you know, saying that silly old thing again that, oh, you can't do it. You know, there's other people out there that could do this much better than you. And, and mm. you're just a bit of a fraud. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all have it. We all have it. But yeah. I think the nice thing about, about what you've been doing, Keith, is that you right from the beginning you did actually get clients and you did get con mm. contracts and even when we engaged and when you joined the program you had plenty of clients it was just you know actually solidifying that and mm. getting that consistent predictable flow and getting that really just the right clients to stay with you come back for more whilst bringing on board other clients who were also going to be perfect for you um mm. so yeah i can't i can't i thought i can't say the name of the first client because I, I was under nda but i, I remember uh, almost it was like christmas morning i almost raced downstairs when i when i agreed <laughs> my first contract because there's nothing it is like getting that job and i think i described it to somebody i just wrote to my wife actually it's like every time i get a new contract it's like starting a new job you get that buzz that excitement you get to meet new people you get to understand their business and it's you know you it's it's hard not this isn't knocking corporate because there's a lot of exceptional people in that world but it's difficult to get that same level when you're doing a job in the same organization yeah you know, really often whereas you know i think i'm up to so there's 17 or 18 clients that i've worked with since i started i've set myself 100 by by year five so i'm only what 18 months this year and i want i want to help 100 businesses in the next five years because i think you know that, that's that's still only scratching the surface of how many are out there but yeah, yeah I, I think yeah just that ability to give back support and just see you know we talked at the start about some of the challenges i mean 
it, this is a very meaningful industry. You know, this is people need homes. They want to improve their homes and their standard of living. And, you know, yeah. if we can make the industry better you know, and see people investing in it to give better you know, customer service to ultimately homeowners and, and you know, innovators and tradespeople, then you know, it feels like I'm doing a meaningful job, Jane. Oh, definitely. And that's all important, isn't it? We've got to, you know, find meaning and purpose in what we do because it makes it fulfilling, right? It's mm. not just about the money, is it? Ever. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. No. Yeah. So now you got your first non-exec role recently as well, Keith, which is just amazing because mm. a lot of consultants want to become non-execs. It's very sought after to get a role like that. So uh, talk us through that. How, how mm. did you get it? What are you actually going to be doing? And mm. yeah, how did it all come about? Well, I, I exercise some which is unusual for me, which is patience. So I set myself a target in December that I wanted to try and land a non-exec role by June this year. And then I set about trying to understand what it was all about. So I did quite a lot of research. I did some coaching with somebody that specialised in that area. You know, I did quite a bit of work on the type of thing to think about, the type of businesses that might be interested in non-exec. You know, it's my first role, so I'm not going to necessarily walk into a FTSE 250 PLC or something on, on my first gig. So, you know, it's it's really at the, I guess, at the cutting edge of innovation, you know, helping helping the industry again. So it's in line with, with you know, the things that I, I hold, you know, very dear to me. But I think it was just meant to be. You know, I had a few kind of opportunities and discussions that didn't really work. And, you know, when I spoke to, you know, the, the sort of co-owners, we just hit it off. And it was one of those... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, within about three weeks, you know, we I think it was clear we wanted to work together. I met I met one of their investors and then I started work in June. So it's 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 just great. Yeah, it's really great to be in that advisory role. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a really nice addition to what I do, you know, in the consultancy work and you know, I said being involved in a sort of digital tech type business, you know, in in this industry is is really exciting. So, you know, we've got some hopefully some long years of working together ahead. You know, yeah. as they start, you know, professionalizing procurement and digital in, in the industry. Yeah, which is that's so exciting, Keith. Now you've also you've you've had to, you've been fortunate enough to have more time on your hands because that is also one of the benefits, mm. isn't it, of running your own show that you don't have to turn up for work at the same time every morning and leave at the same mm. time every night, right? And do all of that travel. Yeah. So you've also managed to find time apart from, you know, obviously giving back a bit more to your family and spending more time with your mm. kids and so on you've also become director of a charity haven't you um mm. so tell us about that as well yeah uh, do you know what i mean it, it, interestingly this that conversation happened because i was chatting to somebody about a non-exec role and they said oh by the way we're looking for trustees for this charity and i said okay well send me some information and you know, but before I knew it, I'd, I'd sort of landed in this part of Homestart UK. So it's like the local, the local sort of Kettering regional support business. And it was just one of those that really resonated. You know, you mentioned I've got, you know, I've got children, I've got a family, I live in the local community. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a brilliant charity that helps, looks to help about 50 families that, you know, have, have maybe had it you know, a bit more difficult than, than, you know, some of us more privileged individuals and, often need some help just someone to talk to somebody to maybe take the kids to the park or do some shopping or just yeah just some simple things that often we take for granted that 
and it's all volunteers. Yeah. So I joined I joined the trustee board in April. Uh, I was quite humbled that I got asked to to be chair. So I'm I'm now the chair of of Homestart Kettering. So that's only in my first sort of month of that. But it's just great, you know. I mean, it's a it's a great bunch of people, and yeah, you know, I'm just yeah very humbled by how how amazing the volunteers are. Because without the volunteers, you know, it 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 wouldn't be anything. You know, clearly we need the charity. No, no plug. If anyone wants to sponsor Home Start, then uh, then look me up. But it's 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 fully funded by charity. There's no government intervention. There's no support from any any of that. It's it's all down to you know the charitable donations of people, and then you know the the volunteers giving up their time. So yeah, it's 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 lovely to be involved and be able to give you know give my time and energy back, you know, to helping helping others. I say less fortunate. Oh, that's it's so good. I mean, it's great because that gives you it kind of makes your life really rounded, doesn't it? I think that's a nice mm. thing about doing, you know, volunteering in some way, shape or form and mm. actually giving back and not necessarily just all being about the money and about being paid to do what you do. Mm. So that's the privilege that we get, really, isn't it, for being paid well for yeah. our services and our knowledge and wisdom. Mm. So, Yeah. Raising okay. a family is never easy, is it? <laughs> regardless no. of regardless of what level you're at in in life, you know it's a full time job. You don't really get you don't get weekends off, do you? <laughs> no, it's not like no, a day, like a day job. So, oh, it really is. I mean, the thing is, I'm I'm actually through that and out the other side because my youngest daughter is twenty. So, but it never leaves you. You never ever forget no. that time when it's like, oh, you know, I just want a break. I just want a break. I yeah. love them to bits, but I just so want a little bit of time just to do something for myself, you know. Mm. And yeah. when you can somehow manage to compartmentalize and find the balance, then it's it's particularly sweet, I think. Mm. Yeah. 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 Amazing. So, so Keith, let, let's just go on and talk a little bit about, you know, your decision to join Ideal Client Success Program, which is my program, if that's okay. We'll just spend mm. a little bit of time talking about that because I'm sure that our viewers and listeners will be interested to know what prompted you to to join you know you're here you've you've been incredibly successful ever since you started your business and it really is going from strength to, to strength so what made you feel as though as though you could benefit from hmm. you know the the support that the program offers yeah i think it's one of those where people deal with people and i, I think there's there's something in resonating with someone that understands where you're coming from i mean I'm, I'm a buyer at heart, so getting me to part company with money is very difficult. So congratulations, <laughs> Jane, on, on that one. Thank um, you. But I think, you know, fairness to you, the first time we met was on one of your free, you know, free sort of hour webinar training. And, you know, as I took I took a lot from that. And that, I think, is one of those where I just thought, what what are you waiting for? And, you know, I talk about you can overanalyze stuff and thought, well, in the grand scheme of it, you can make that back with one one better informed decision with the right network, with the right contact, with the right opportunity. So I think I struck while the iron was hot and I think I messaged you within about an hour of the of the call and we met the next day or something. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, I mentioned, because it is quite lonely when you run your own business, when, when you're a solopreneur, I guess. So I think having somebody that's been there and done it and you've got, as well, you know, because it's your, your business, but you've got some amazing people within the programme that are always there to help. You know, I've chatted to a few of them outside 
without your permission, miss, I hope that's okay. Uh, <laughs> just just chatting to people. And I think that that's been really good. And I think I think sometimes it's the structure. You know, I'm I'm very orderly as you in terms of how I like to to plan and organize myself. And I think yeah, that 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 thirst for knowledge to improve, to do things better and differently, the different viewpoints and the different experiences that people have got. Yeah, I'm just like a sponge. Yeah, when you you start that, and the, the danger then is I try and do it all. Yeah, in the next five minutes, and it's it's having the patience again to plan some of those things out and set the milestones and the targets, and work through it as a program. You know, we mentioned fifty thousand hours. You know, this isn't something overnight, and it doesn't need to be a rush. Take mm-hmm. your time to learn something, embed it, make it a new behaviour, and keep layering on. And those small incremental gains. You know, suddenly you sit down in six months time and think, wow, I've actually done maybe, I don't know, 20 things, you know, and, and laid them, laid them on top of each other. And I think that's the power of the program. You know, you can keep going back to it and relearning and you always hear something a bit different or get a different view of something when you've had more experience of delivering some of those things in reality as well. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point that this thing about layering, because obviously it's a program mm. to to make really empower consultants of B2B service providers and coaches. I've got some coaches as well to become, you know, stronger marketers and business growth experts within their own right, you know, in terms mm. of selling and promoting their own services. And as you said, Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, but that layering thing is really important that just getting more and more wisdom and it just building and building and building in ways that, you know, may not be apparent in the short term, but then the winds start coming and then you think, ah, you know, that was, that was because of that. And that was because of that. Mm. And I know that that's happened to you as well, hasn't it, Keith? Yeah. Well, I suppose it's statistic. You show up in the right place. That, you know, it, you, it won't always be the right time because not everyone will be in the same place. But if if you keep showing up consistently with a message in the right place, then people notice. And, you know, I've been amazed. You know, we talk about, you know, the power of LinkedIn, but the, I've been amazed at how many people comment over the phone or or outside of the, you know, the visible window of things. And, oh, I've, I read that and that was really interesting or really thought-provoking. And I think sometimes, you know, because I really enjoy I enjoy the challenge of the of the I suppose the intellectual side and thinking about things differently. And when I you know when I work with clients and can see that they've had a different way of approaching something because I've made them think differently, that's really powerful because you think, you know, where have I got that from? You know, I've learned that from other people. And the more you network, the more you talk to people, the more you connect with people, the more different conversations you have, it just makes you far more rounded and hopefully relevant and interesting when you talk to you know people in life and clients so you know it's it, it's been really good and I still continue to practice what I preach every day Jane yeah it's fantastic and your LinkedIn is just incredible now Keith I'm just uh, like yeah, I'm just in awe of some of the posts that you've done recently <laughs> so I can really see them getting so strong which is absolutely fantastic although obviously it's not just about LinkedIn we're doing a lot of other stuff together as well but yeah all yeah. of that is going to be launched soon right which I'm very excited about you've got a report yeah. haven't you that's going well, to come no, out I'll be, yeah I, I think I think it's trying to it's trying to get all these things to work together so you know yeah. working on some 
video content on some program content as well as sort of the whole package so yeah watch this space i might i might not quite make it before i go on holiday next week but it's we're getting ever closer jane I'm not in a rush, as you know. I don't want to put out bad content. <laughs> oh, no, 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 definitely not. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so so Keith, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that or to find out more about you? You've got a website, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, so, so the website's it's ingeniously named after me, so www.kwrightconsultancy.co.uk. As one of my friends, so that must have taken me hours to think of that, that ingenious thing. <laughs> I've obviously, the, yeah, the, the LinkedIn profiles there. I've got a business page sort of linked to my personal profile. So there's contact details on the website. So there's yeah, plenty of testimonials and a, a bit more information about me and some of the things that I do, which is you know being being built on as we speak. Yeah, and you've also got a bit of a special offer that you want to put out tonight, haven't you, Keith? For I have listening in. Yep. Would you? Yeah. So. Yeah, so thank you. Well, thank you for anyone that's invested time. So yeah, I really, really appreciate you you listening in. So for for those of you that have stayed the course and invested your time, hopefully you've got to know me uh, a little bit better um, after the the session. So I'd, I'd like to give you a free call with myself to talk about any of those areas of procurement strategy, category management, or you know, help with the market or all the building materials sort of insights. Normally, that's obviously a chargeable sort of service as part of my consultancy offer. So, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be delighted to help anyone. If you want to send me an email to info at kwrightconsultancy.co.uk in the next 24 hours, that would be great. And we can uh, we can look to set something up and get to know you a bit better. So that's that's the offer. Amazing. Now that's the next 24 hours from when you see this, because right at the moment we're going live. So what's going to happen is in a few weeks time, it's going to be repurposed and put up on the podcasting platform. So whether you're watching or listening on the Smart Connector group or YouTube or any of the other social platforms, if you've watched this, take action within the next 24 hours and you will get that free consultancy call with Keith that he usually charges quite a lot of money for. So that's amazing. Okay. Well, thank you, Keith. And it's been such a a pleasure and a privilege to have you here with us tonight. Really wanted to thank you for, for showing up all the lovely things that you've said about the Ideal Client Success Program, been absolutely, you know, amazed by your incredible perseverance and commitment to success. I've got to say that because, you know, you are one of my top performing clients in that you have shown up, you've been there, you've done absolutely everything. In fact, I I wrote an article about this on LinkedIn today, that the people that get the results are the people that put in the work, you know, they show up, mm. they do the work. And you are a star performer in that respect, and it is showing up in terms of your results. So congratulations on all the amazing progress that you've made, Keith. It really has been so wonderful to work with you. Thank you, Jane. Well, I'm not allowed to sell, but work with this lady because she's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. Well, I'll let you go now and get ready for your holiday. And thank you very much again for joining us. Bye for now. for listening in if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to rate and review my podcast as it will help me bring the power of connection to the world 
I work one-to-one to help entrepreneurs ignite the power of authentic connection in their businesses and lives. I also help them accelerate their results through attracting and converting more of their ideal clients. And if this is something you'd like to do too, why not head on over to www.idealclientsuccess.com masterclass and I'll show you how.